We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Today, I have a conversation with Leslie Watts, an author and StoryGrid certified editor. Leslie and I are in Nashville, where we're learning how to tell better nonfiction stories and to launch her new book, What's the Big Idea?, which she wrote with Shelley Sperry. We talk about the three things she tries to do every day to be happy, productive, and at her creative best. I first met Leslie in 2016 at the first ever StoryGrid event in New York City. After that, we kept in touch via a study group that morphed into the StoryGrid Editor Roundtable podcast. She's also the captain of Writership, which is her blog, podcasts, and editing services. She's also active in the StoryGrid community on both their blog and on the StoryGrid Editor Roundtable, which I was a proud member of before I left to start this podcast. One of the reasons Leslie is such a great editor, among other things, is because of her editing philosophy. Quote, I believe writers become better storytellers through study and practice, and that editors owe a duty of care to help writers by offering specific and supportive guidance. Leslie not only takes us through the three daily habits she tries to do to stay happy and productive, but also talks about the writing process and how Natalie Goldberg's writing retreats give her a creative edge. She also happens to be my editor for my memoir, so I can attest that she lives by her words. I'll someday share the memoir with you when it's done. You'll probably hear some background noise and a siren or two since we're recording this in the common room at the Stay Alfred at the James in the Gulch neighborhood of Nashville. Now, let's get better 
together. So I'm here with Leslie Watts. And uh, Leslie is a lot of things. Uh, first of which, she's a friend of mine. Second of which, uh, she's my editor on the book that I'm working on, that we're working on together, which I appreciate. And third of all, uh, she's a recovering lawyer. <laughs> but other than that, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? And... Oh, yeah. Um, mostly editing these days, but you know what's weird, Jari? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that this morning when I got on the plane to come here mm-hmm. to Nashville? Yeah, we're in Nashville, right? Nashville. Um, my one of my my law school civil procedure professor was getting on the plane too. <laughs> really? Wow! Coming yeah. here? Yeah. Wow. And uh, her seat, you know, you know how Southwest boards. Yeah. She was behind me. Wow. <laughs> So it's behind you metaphorically, too. It's all behind me. She wouldn't have remembered me at all, so I didn't say hi. Oh, you didn't say hi? No, because she wouldn't have remembered me. But don't professors love the fact that their students are like, oh, I really loved your class? I mean, if you really loved your class. Which you probably did, right? Sure. (laughs) Well, if I... If I'm honest, yeah, well, yeah. it was one of those moments where, like, there was a moment when I went to her office to talk to her, and I said, I really love what you specialize in, and I want to do that. And she was like, yeah, just read the cases and do the work. and Oh. Like, it was the brush off. Inspiring. <laughs> which is... Which is fine because it wasn't really what I wanted to do. It was kind of what I thought I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. it was it was one of those weird. This wasn't the direction we were going to take with this conversation. No, no, no. <laughs> this is fine. We can start out this way because I mean that 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 may lead to, you know, the things that now you do to be successful every day. I mean, because that's what we want to talk about. But right. But let's 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 talk a little bit more about you know additional background. I mean, how I know you, yes. we're actually in, we're in Nashville, Tennessee. We're at a story grid, uh, I don't know, event. Yes. Uh, Leslie and I are both certified story grid editors. That's how we originally met in New York back in 2016, 17, 2017, right. 2017. It was, uh, February of 2017. Right. Right. And, uh, sort of, we were in a study group together. Yes. I uh, did that for a while. Then, then we did the or um, the Story Grid Editor Roundtable podcast mm-hmm. for a while, which which you're still doing, and now I'm I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't come back to uh, to Nashville to learn more about story and be a story nerd. So, uh, so how how did how did you get into like so your lawyer right? How do yeah. you, How do you kind of transition into being an editor and story and all that fun stuff. Yeah, well, I well I did. I I was a staff attorney for a judge on the Court of Criminal Appeals um, for eight years. I did that, and then um, and then I my son was born, mm. and I couldn't do both at the same time. Right. So I stopped working for a while, and then. When I started working again, 
this is what I was interested in. This is what really pulled me. And I had been the editor in chief of my law journal. And in college, I had been a staff writer on this, the school newspaper and that. So it was always, it's always kind of been in the ether, mm-hmm. so to speak. In the mix, yeah. Um, but I just got bitten by the bug and yeah. And I can't imagine doing anything else now. Wow. Like, this is my dream job that I'm doing. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, uh, not many people can say that. <laughs> no. Not many people can say that. So, you know, what, what we talk about on, on the podcast is sort of the daily things that you do in order to kind of be successful or stay focused or whatever. So, you know, what, what are some of those things that you do on a daily basis that, allow you to do your dream job yeah so i have a i have these three practices that if i do them every day i tend to have a really good day oh wow this is great or whatever comes along Mm -hmm. is easier okay and it doesn't mean i do them every day but you know it's that thing like i know these three things work for me and that's sitting for 15 minutes. So, you know, meditation, Mm -hmm. it's 15, at least 15 minutes of writing practice. Um, and then an hour usually of walking. Okay. So meditation, practicing your craft and then some sort of physical exercise. Yeah. And the writing practice is a very specific thing because it's not just, um, it's, it's writing without thinking about it, you know, just recording thoughts. Um, I've studied with Natalie Goldberg and it's her method really, where you just, you keep your hand going, no matter what comes up, you write. So it's freehand writing. It's not typing or anything. Right. So it's like, is it like journaling then, sort of, or different than journaling? It is, it is different, but the difference is hard to, uh, it's hard for me to articulate, oddly enough, um, that if I were to, journaling is for a purpose, right, but that is different, I think, from writing practice. Writing practice is studying the mind. Okay. And so it's really just a different form of meditation. And that the practice is writing without editing for a certain amount of time. You just keep going and then you come back and read what you've written. And it's not for any particular purpose. It's not for me to get better at writing or better at editing. It's just for me to meet my mind on the page. Okay. So, huh. So, so it, wow, that's, I've never heard of that before. I mean, I know people that journal. Yeah. And a lot of times the journaling like helps you clarify your thoughts. Um, or for me, I mean, I write to get the things rattling around in my head on the page so that they no longer can be in my head or hurt me or like I can now they're off in the world, right? That's sort of the way I think about it. Um, 
So do you, do you, is it meditation, writing, then walking, or is there a sequence to it? Or That's the best sequence, That's but, the it, best doesn't, sequence. but <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way. Okay. Sometimes the meditation comes, and then in the middle of the day is the writing, and then at the very end of the day is the, the walking or running or, you know, the physical movement. But it's really about if I get all those three things in, then... I just, I work, but like, you know, if you take good care of your car, mm, yeah, right, yeah. then it, it operates better. So and that's so, my mind. Right. So, so those, so th- those three practices are what tunes your mind or keeps your mind kind of engaged with what you want to do. So, okay. So what kind of meditation do you do? Um, it's just, it's, uh, you know, I sit cross-legged mm-hmm. um, and uh, and do the, you know, the mudra thing. The mudra, okay. Right, which doesn't work well for podcasts. No, no, no. But, well, we can look it up. We yeah. can send a link. A link. Uh, mudra, okay. And then for 15 minutes, I just try to focus on my breath. And if my mind wanders, I bring it back. And it's that coming back to over and over again. Uh, It's a great tool for resistance Mm -hmm. because I don't want to sit and think right. You know, I don't want to sit and meditate right now. I want to get to work or I want to do whatever. Um, So it's, I don't understand why it works, but I know it does fundamentally for me. So the, the sitting meditation pulling the mind back sort of the practice of, Hey, I don't want to be here, but I need to be here. is sort of like, I mean, there's a lot of things in life that, <laughs> that, that you know, like, Oh, I got to take my kids to school. I got to do this or got to do that. And so how long have you been doing this practice for? Oh, off and on. I've been doing this practice since actually, yeah, since 2003. 2003. Wow. Okay. And that's, uh, just, I guess the thing is, cause I, I, I talked to a lot of people that meditate, right. As an example of the, of the first kind of thing. And they do all sorts of different ones, you know, loving kindness, the breath mm-hmm. box breathing, mm-hmm. um, or mantras. Some people do walking meditation. Some people do, I don't remember some Indian guru guy. I don't recall. Um, how do you think that impacts your life? Is there, is there a certain, like you said, if you don't do those three things, your day gets bad or it's not as good as it could be. What, what is the, how does that look? What, what happens? Um, I think what it is, is that it slows me down. It slows down my reaction because I'm able to notice things. I spend, I spend time in that observer position as opposed to the one thinking the thoughts and just the thoughts are running away Mm. so that I notice, Oh, I'm thinking that thought. Yeah. Mm. So I notice my internal reactions that are, you know, not necessarily useful or, um, based on the truth or, you know, yeah. Hmm. 
doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, sometimes meditation can be, I mean, a double-edged sword. I, well, I, that's about the right word. Um, th- there's some days where it's just frustrating because I do it as well. I've been trying to do it more and it gets frustrating yeah. because like my mind will wander and it will do the most wacky things. Um, and then I'll be like, well, why did I just sit here for 10 minutes with my mind wandering? I could have been doing something else. Especially on a particularly busy day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think also it... Because when I learned how to do this, I was, I was studying with Natalie Goldberg first in 2003 in Taos, New Mexico. Oh, and wow. Then, and um, last year I did four retreats over the course of the year um, in Santa Fe. And brings me back to that experience hmm. where it's just it's very chill the the food is really good and you know you're provided for you don't have lots of distractions it's beautiful how, how long are these retreats usually uh they were like four and a half days four and a half five days and they're meant for just writing and reflecting? It's, this was a writing intensive. So we went the four times. We would uh, read four books in the interim between them, which we would talk about. And then, and then we did a lot of writing practice. And they were, um, for the most part, they were silent retreats as well. So we weren't talking. Hmm. We were, except for, you know, past the salt and that kind of thing. Really? Right. But it was, so it was silent and then, um, yeah, and then we just did a lot of writing. We had a lot of writing prompts that we used. And so, okay, so, so there's this retreat. So, so the, re- the reason this is funny is because, you know, Grant Faulkner. Yes. Nano Rhino. Um, he will sometimes go and like just go to a hotel without his family and for like three days he'll just like write just like he, and his his sort of tactic or the, what he told me was that that just like gets his his project to the next level like it's no distraction just go um, and so you're sort of like the second I mean you're a writer so I mean it's obviously you know writers like to need focused time especially you know well I would say Pretty much any creative needs sort of that mind gym or space to kind of create. Creation's hard, right? Um, but I never thought of going on a silent writing retreat to kind of like jumpstart or inspire or, you know, do this writing practice. Like, how did you find her? How did you find her? It's funny you should ask because... Uh, I had a legal writing professor in law school and I went to her after class one day and I said, I kind of want to do writing that's not legal writing. Do you have any suggestions? And she suggested Natalie Goldberg's book, Writing Down the Bones, which is, yeah, it's, you know, it's the, it's one of the, I would say in the canon of how to write. Right. And on writing with Stephen. Right, like I think I put, like the War of Art, 
and writing down the bones are my two like solid texts that are you know dog-eared and, yeah. and worn out and um so yeah so she suggested that book so I read that and then I read her other books and then in 2003 I went to to one of her workshops in in Taos and it's actually um since we're talking about practices that we do regularly, it's where I met my writing partner. Um, we write together every Sunday evening. I mean, there have been a couple of breaks over the years, but since 2003, on Sunday evenings, we get together and we do writing practice. Is where, this in person? No. She lives in Virginia. Uh-huh, okay. And... So I call her, mm-hmm. and she reads something. We, we're always reading a book, and we re- it's only like a, we get through a couple of pages every week. So she reads. I pick out topics, mm-hmm. and then we choose two topics, and we, we write. We hang up, write, and then I call her back, and we read to each other. And you do this every week? Every week. And you've been doing this since 2003. Yeah. And it's 2020. It's 2020. So <laughs> 17 years. And you have a different relationship with someone where you're writing whatever comes into your mind. Mm-hmm. And then you read it to them no matter what it is. And that's, that's not awkward? Or can be? I mean, I don't know. It hasn't been. We just know each other on a different wow. level. Does she does she also go back to these retreats? Yeah. So that's where you guys kinda occasionally. This last see year. Them. Yeah. And then she had uh I love to tell this story. Can I tell this story? Of course, yeah. Um I was checking into the Fetch and Inn in Taos the first time in two thousand three and she was at the desk and I was filling out my thing and, you know, that, oh, I'm from Austin. And she said, oh, Austin, I've been to Austin. I've gone to the Broken Spoke. And, and we just started talking. Right, right. And we hit it off and then we wrote together during that week. And then that's when we started. We decided we want to keep going. We don't want to just, you know how you sometimes you go to a, an event. Yeah. And you get really excited about it, and then you go home, and real life, yeah. real life creeps in. Yeah. Right. So that yeah, so we decided to do that, and we, it's it worked, it stuck. And and, and that how how does that kind of habit practice help you in your writing, or you know achieving your writing goals? It's. You know, I, I have to meet my mind on the page every week. And I can't get out of it because I don't want to let her down. Mm, okay. Okay. So sort of peer, I mean, peer pressure is maybe... It's pressure, peer support. <laughs> peer support. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of creatives need, need that. Yeah. I mean, I know I do. I mean, the reason why, you know, we work together on this book, um, my memoir is... Well, one, you know, I trust your opinion and, and you know, you, you, you're a great editor and you kind of have a good eye for that sort of thing. But also, it's, 
I don't want to let you down clearly because it's like, okay, how am I going to make this better? How am I going to, um, like show up? I think it's similar. Like, how am I going to show up and put out my best effort? And I think without that, I think supportive, compassionate, loving peer support, um, it's just a lonely road. And, and, you know, I mean, we, we don't do that. I mean, we don't write every Sunday. Um, but, but I mean, even when we, we found the story group together and met and sort of did the, what we, you know, the, the study group and then what became the podcast. It, the interesting thing about that is as a, as a habit, as a, I mean, some people call it a forcing function to like, I got to get better. And, I got to get better for me, but I also, I have to, I can't let these other people down, you know, and even in the case of the podcast, it's like, there's four other people. We're all trying to level up our craft as Sean likes to say, and like, Oh wow, this is how we got to show up. Like, this is no joke. And it's just fascinating that that kind of habit and practice, if, if you can find people that are, kind and considerate and share that same ethos like you found with what's her name thea thea yeah thea from virginia thea from virginia <laughs> thea. <laughs> yeah. um, wow i'm impressed thea that's pretty amazing yeah to stick it out with me all these oh, years wow. or you know just being dedicated to a craft well see here's the thing i think about it that there are days when, as a creative, it's really hard to show up just for yourself. Yeah, it's true. And on those days when you have someone else who's going to show up, you're, and it's, you know, by and large, we should be showing up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But it, sometimes it's really hard. But we can show up for someone else. And we can show up for each other. Mm-hmm. And then whatever comes out, it's not, oh, that was really good, or oh, that was, you know, your writing's a little off tonight. There's no judgment. It's just complete acceptance, whatever it is. And there are very few places in the world where you can just, this is how I'm showing up tonight, and there's complete acceptance. Yeah, it'd be nice if we could do that every morning, huh? <laughs> As sort of a, a practice of sort of being kind to ourselves I think because you know a lot of a lot of times you, you you're your own worst enemy when it comes to that stuff you know you can get wrapped around the axle so do, do you think that the meditation kind of helps with that showing up centering thing or what I mean it's sort of been proven you know study after study but, but, but for other for people for different people it's it feels different, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, I know a lot of people who try meditation and it doesn't work for them yeah, for whatever reason. True. Right. And so I never think, oh, well, you should be doing this. You know, it's just, I think that it's really important that we find the thing that does that for us, that is supportive that's a practice that we can do no matter what's happening in our lives. You know what? No matter what, I can sit on the floor for 15 minutes and breathe and pay attention to it, right? No matter how much money is in my bank account, no matter, right? 
Yeah. I'll be able to do that no matter what happens in the world to myself, etc. Right. And if I can't sit, if I'm sick in bed, I can lie down and do it. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good point because a lot of times, you know, when people have a habit that they think, you know, like again, daily habits that help or daily things, um, if, if it's dependent on a lot of things, yeah. it's harder to do. And a lot of times, it's some of those habits aren't for you. And I think what I'm trying to get at with doing this podcast is, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to talk with a lot of entrepreneurs and, you know, creatives and nonprofit folk and politicians, you know, all these people I know, right? And a lot of times, you know, it's, it's like... <laughs> You know, it's funny because you, you, you know you think you know someone, and then you like start asking them questions. You're like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, I didn't know that you write every Sunday. You never told me that. We've known each other for a couple of years or more. We've known each other since three years, three years right? <laughs> so you know, I learn something new every day. But but the but that's a but the, what, what's interesting is that these um, these practices, these you know, what makes you successful, which is what I'm trying to get at, because you know. A lot of times, you know, people are get bent that they're not, especially in entrepreneur game, you know, they're not raising money, they're not crushing it, they're not, you know, growing, do the exit, they, you know, they've got all these ideas, nothing's happening, and they're just like, to themselves, externally, they're pushing, push, 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 push. Whereas what I found with those that have actually been successful are some of the people that are very comfortable with the process, right? They're like, I do this because I love it. I don't care if I ever make any money at it. Yeah. You know, and that's a hard thing sometimes to do and say. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I think about this and there are, there are four rules or guiding principles that, that Natalie Goldberg has shared and that her teacher, Katagiri Roshi, who was a Zen... Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's called monk? a priest or a monk. Or... I should know this. <laughs> you should. He's, he's Katagiri Roshi, yeah. at any rate, to give him credit. And it's continue under all circumstances. Okay. Don't be tossed away. Make positive effort for the good. Sometimes that means getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth. And the fourth that Natalie kind of came to recently is inhabit your life. Hmm. And so it's not, don't be on the surface, you know? Yeah, I think I know. Like inhabit your life, like whatever it is. If it's you know, if it's shitty, if it's awesome, if you're crushing it, if you're sucking, just inhabit it. Because it's your life and you're not going to have it forever. I mean, that's, that's true. Huh. So inhabit your life. That's inhabit the fourth your one. Life. That's the fourth one. And so is, is, how do you inhabit your life then? Is it from those three practices or is it... Those, I would say those three practices support my ability to inhabit my life because it helps me slow down. It helps me steady my mind. Mm -hmm. 
and know myself better. Right. It helps me to accept my mind and myself and, you know, yep, this is my messy life. It's okay. You know, I walk into a room and someone I don't expect walks in and it throws me for a loop and I freak out about it a little and then I connect with someone and it's okay. Wow. Huh. <laughs> That's hard to do. I mean, there, you know, I, I think, I think, wow, inhabit your life. Hmm. What was the third one? So it was, it's continue under all circumstances, don't be tossed away, hmm. make positive effort for the good. Make positive effort for the good. So inhabiting your life to make positive effort for the good and don't get tossed away and continue under any circumstances. So, okay. And so, so those, those sort of four things, I mean, for a writer, I mean, since, I mean, we'll talk about writing. Those of you that aren't writers are going to maybe get a little bored, but this is also very good if you're an entrepreneur or nonprofit folk because you all got to write and create, and a lot of you don't have a really good grasp of the creative process, and especially in the writing, everyone needs to learn how to write better. If you're a runner, <laughs> if you play tennis, yeah. if you're a parent, mm -hmm. if you are a, a partner yeah. to someone, like, yeah. it applies across the board. Yeah, I, I really like to continue under any circumstance. Like, don't shortchange yourself first if the practice is going to help you lead a better life. I mean, you know, you just, it, that's, that's so interesting because a lot of times people put off the, um, I mean, and I'm not saying like, you know, be completely, uh, you know, live in so in the moment that you don't care that your house burns down or that your kids aren't fed, you know, stuff like that. Right. But I mean, yeah. a lot of times people put off their own self-care for some thing in the future that they feel is like, oh, like some people that want to write a book as an example. Like when I retire or when the kids are out of school or when I get a better job or when I have more time, all of those things from a from that philosophy, those four points of philosophy, is just not doing doing it for you. I mean, what does it really serve? Yeah, well, and you you know you mentioned self care, and that's really important. Yeah. Unless you think that I'm, you know, this paragon of you know, like, <laughs> oh, Leslie sits and she writes and she, you know. Yeah, you're you're now bigger than yourself. You are now guru. <laughs> guru, guru Leslie. No, because I'll tell you what, like I get when I get a deadline and it's in sight, a lot of times that stuff I just uh, no, just just hunker down, just you know grind it out. buckle down, whatever, grind it out, right? Whatever I feel <laughs> I feel like um Russell Crowe in Master and Commander, whatever Whatever grist is required for the mill, I'm messing up that line. But you know, it's like, do what it takes to finish this. And that's not the best approach. 
that if I were to just, you know, continue under all circumstances, even this, even the deadline is in sight, and I know if I keep going, I'm going to get there, and it'll be behind me, and that'll be good. Yeah. Just sit. It's 15 minutes. Yeah. Just write. It's 15 minutes. Usually something arises. I'm working on stuff. Yeah, know? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think the progress fallacy is the one thing that, you know, oh, I need to be, whatever I do, doesn't matter what it is, writing code, writing writing words for your book, your art or whatever, people tend to look at the output as, oh look, I made progress. Whereas sometimes the progress is the figuring out of the path that you will never see that manifest itself other than the fact that it may just be easier or you may feel better or you know, you'll have a, a different path that you would have not done before, right? It, it would it be so, yeah, the, the, the progress fallacy, the output fallacy, I think, is one thing that gets tr people trapped a lot. Is, is, sounds like you get trapped into that, too. <laughs> yeah. Could happen to anyone, quite frequently does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, what do you do to combat that? Well, the practice of coming back to the breath, mm -hmm. like, it reminds you. You can always come back. Like, it, there's no, oh... I haven't, you know, I've missed it for three days in a row, so that's it. Draw the towel in. No, it's like, just sit down. Any moment when you catch yourself, it's good. Like, if you catch yourself before you get off track, if you catch yourself while you're off track, if you catch yourself after you've gotten off track, it's all good. You've caught yourself. Get back on track. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, some people think that, you know, if they haven't done something for a while or... I mean, there's this even with, like, some relationships are this way, right? You oh, I haven't talked to someone in a while, you know, is it going to be awkward? But, you know, um, which, which it can be. But, <laughs> but, but how, I guess how that practice of coming back, like almost giving yourself permission to be like, no, you can always come back. Yeah. And you can always sit with it and be, try to find that one thing, you know, in your daily life that's going to center you. I mean, it could be whatever it is. Like for you, it's, it's those three things, right? It's the, it's the meditation, it's the, it's the writing practice, and then it's the, the walk. So the, the, the mind, the craft, and the body harmony, um, and and a lot of I mean, I mean that that's a good just practice for anyone. A lot of times, you see a lot of entrepreneurs that just I mean they're working 12, 15 hours a day because oh we got to crush it, we got to crush it, and I, I think the productivity past a certain point is you're just deleting yourself. <laughs> you need to recharge that or at least have a practice of the self-care. Right. Like a daily self-care practice that I think most people that I know that are successful have something like that. Or if they don't, they, they burn out pretty quick or they have some catastrophic life event 
that right. makes sure that they do that. Like they literally like, oh yeah, I had a heart attack. Yeah, I don't know, you know, the world is a different place. You yeah. know, I saw mortality and it stared me in the face and it said, slow down. <laughs> it's communication. <laughs> totally. Right? The message is going to come through. Yeah, the universe will provide. I right. guess would be, the, would be the word for that. Um, so, in terms of... So you have those three practices on a daily basis. You know, you're now in your dream job. Editing, you know, writing. Um, you have... Uh, you also have a podcast called Writership, which is sort of, I think, on, a hi- on hiatus right now for, yeah. for a little bit. But that, that's... Sometimes you have to let things go. Sometimes you have to let things go. <laughs> I think that's the other thing that is um, an interesting construct that a lot of people, you know, the sunk cost fallacy. Like, I put all this effort in, and if I abandon it, I'm just going to keep going. Um, right. And so that's an interesting paradox, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we say continue under all circumstances. Yeah but sometimes you have to let go. And I mean, I don't have the answer for that, but there are a lot of, like one of Natalie's uh, practice is that we will do everything I know about ice cream, for example, as a writing prompt, and then we do the flip side, everything I don't know about ice cream. Oh, okay. Right, it's a different angle, a different way of approaching. And so the like the writing retreats are a way of breaking the structure of my regular day okay. and replacing it with a firm structure of a different kind. Because we do, you know, in the morning you get up, you go and you sit meditation in the zendo and then you go to breakfast, and then you you know you do. Uh, we have a samu, which is a it's a work practice, right? So you have different kinds of practice all day, but it's a very it's not I wouldn't say it's rigid structure, but it's firm structure. And so I think that the experience of everything I know about ice cream and everything I don't know about ice cream helps us figure out when we need to continue and when we need to let go. Hmm. Hmm. That's pretty deep. (laughs) Yeah, so we should talk about something lighter. Yeah, no. ice cream. What's your favorite ice cream, Oh, my favorite ice cream is anything with chocolate. It's got chocolate and Chocolate, more chocolate, and more chocolate. Chocolate and caramel. <laughs> Anything with that in it is great. Loving that. My favorite ice cream is a very specific ice cream. It is Amy's Mexican Vanilla. Okay. Amy's is a an ice cream shop in. I think it started in Austin, but now they have uh, in Houston, probably in San Antonio, and other big cities. In other Texas. big cities in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Amy's Mexican Vanilla, and you know, you wouldn't think, oh, vanilla, really? It's fantastic. I mean, that's Minerva's favorite ice cream flavor. She loves it. She, she's just, that's just her thing. So, so you, you should definitely show that. <laughs> I will, yeah. 
If we ever go to Austin together, I will make sure she's or San Antonio, or, San Antonio or, <laughs> or you know, the, one of those big Texas cities. Yeah, that <laughs> huge Texas city. Well, I mean, I mean Nashville. It's you know, it's bigger it's, than Nashville. <laughs> it's booming. Yeah, yeah. Nashville is booming. Yeah, no, it's Apparently. been it's been definitely an interesting uh, transformation over the first times we've come here um, because everything's. Everything's built, yeah. built, 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 built. Yeah. Um, so when when it comes to like working with the client, how, how do you structure that so that some of these habits that you have, or you know, how do you help them through it, whatever they have to do, uh, in a way that's sort of like a if it, if it's a daily practice or a weekly practice or what what's sort of the What's the method there? Because I know, and I know what you do for me, which we won't talk about yet, but what's sort of the methodology? Because I think it's it's important to know, well, it's important to know how other people work because sometimes you get gain some insights like, oh, I never I never thought I could do it that way. You want to hear a really funny example? Of sure, that? absolutely. Okay, so there's, at my kid's school, my daughter's good friend, her mom is a dog groomer, mm-hmm. and she told me that she can't really tell if she's gotten it just right until she takes a photo of the dog, and then she can see where she's kind of, you know, because she's a, uh, I don't know if you would call her a perfectionist, but she is very uh, fastidious. Yeah, she's an artist. Work. Exactly, she's an artist. exactly. And so... But she needs to take that photo to be able to see, you know, what she's missed. And so, it's, yeah, it's just, it's so interesting, I think, to talk to other creatives in different, Fields, you know. Yeah. yeah, because they deal with, the, they have to solve the same kinds of problems right. that you have to solve, but it's a different angle. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I... I me and my friend Steven, we uh, we made knives the other day, which was really cool. Um, we basically forged a chef's knife, uh, wow. which is really neat. And it took took us two times to go. There's this guy Drew, who, who was a great um, knife smith, I guess, or whatever, you know. But cr- real creative guy. He was on a History Channel show, Forged in Fire. So, um, cool. and he built this cool sword. And so, anyway, it's it's a lot. But but the but you're right. When it came to the, you know, we quote unquote made them, which we were we were in the process of making them. But to watch him with like the little tips and the little tricks and the little things that he would do and where we should hit it and how the metal looks and. And, and I was thinking about it because as we're going through, this is a very physical thing. You know, I normally sit and type at a computer. Um, his process, there's lots of machinery, and you know, there's this really cool thing called a spark bong, <laughs> which captures all the sparks as you're like grinding down this blade. And I'm like, it's just called a spark bong. And he's like, yeah, spark bong. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But, but so, but, but his process, you know, had had a lot to do with, you know, he, he's, he's eyeing the metal 
and he's and he's seen things. I mean, we we can't we don't we don't know what we're looking at. I have no idea what I'm doing. I I just know he's like hit it here, and I'm all uh, okay. He's like no no. He drew a circle on the anvil. He's like hit it there. Don't you know follow it right? So don't don't like I will I will guide it. You repeatedly hit this hammer right, and um and and when I when I you know thought about it and we're making these knives and, and it's a really cool process because it's like again out of my comfort zone. I, I like to make things, but I haven't done it in a long time. And, and, and as I'm like looking at like the just the subtle little thing, like you know, we're we're making the, the tang or the the tang on the end of a knife that, that goes on the handle. And so there's the blacksmith way to do it, which, you know, whatever, and then there's the faster way. And so he's sitting there and he's looking at it and he's like, okay, I'm gonna go do on the on this hydraulic hammer and I'm just gonna do this because it's gonna take forever. And the way he did it, and like you just think, you just know like how many knives does this guy make? You know, I don't know, a thousand knives. And they're beautiful and they're like for chefs. And we did it because like, you know, me and my friend Steven wanted, wanted to make a knife and Steven had saw him on TV, right? And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. But, but, the, but the, just the practice of, as I'm watching him do this, I'm thinking, okay, well, how can this translate to what I do? Yes. You know, and, and the thing that I found was that, you know, it seems a little cliche, but I mean, you got to strike when the iron's hot, right? <laughs> Indeed. And, the, and because, because what, what happens is he, he, had, you know, he has this forge, right? And so the forge heats the metal up to, I don't know, some whatever. And striking while the iron's hot, hot means you can only deform the metal to a certain point. Once it cools down, you can smash the shit out of it and it will not do anything. And I'm like, aha. The metaphor there is I'm going to hit a wall at some point. I got to refire it and step back so oh, that I can, you know. That's great. <laughs> that's really good. You know good. what I mean? Um, so, so that, so that, that was just phenomenal. And, and I see what you mean. Like, is there things that you've learned from clients that they do that you can share? Oh, yeah. I learned something from every one of them. Um, and I, you know, I'm on the spot, so it'll be hard to think of a specific example probably, but I think that it's such an intuitive process. And for me, I'm just, what does this person need, right? That I, you know, that I have skills to you know, to support them. And so I have clients who struggle with writing regularly, you know, like just that's their struggle for a while, you know. And so that's what we work on first because if you don't have writing, you can't revise it. Yeah, yeah. So You don't need an editor if you've got nothing to edit. So, <laughs> right. And then, and so then when they, you know, when they master this, yeah. then we move on to the next thing, right? And so it's a process of what do you show up needing? How can I meet you and help bring you along, you know, along the path? And I'm always when in a similar place in some part of my life, 
And so it's like I'm coaching that person, but I'm coaching myself too. I have one client um, who is really, is wonderful because everything that I tell her is something I need to hear. <laughs> and so it's just, it's brilliant. It works out really well. Because wow. she needs to hear it too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, but I, like, I like that phrase where you're like, how can I help them? How can I show up and the skills I have benefit whoever I'm working with or... You know, they happen to be a client, so they obviously they pay you to, to, to be there for them. But but even even in even in kind of life, that seems like a a daily thing to like. How can I how can I show up today and be helpful? How can I show up today and not only do the practice of taking care of myself, which I think ultimately we all should do first if we can. I mean, clearly if we've got people that are dependent on us, like little ones or ones that can't take care of themselves. I mean, clearly we have to make sure that they're okay, but... You have to feed the cats first. <laughs> feed the cats. Yeah. Nobody's getting anything done if the cats aren't fed. <laughs> I love that. Feed, your, feed the cat first. Um, but then, yeah, showing up and being, how can I... How can I... How can I share what I know? How can I... Yeah, my gifts or gifts or skills or whatever to, to like help help I think with the what was the second one the make positive effort make for the good positive effort for the good so it sounds like sounds like it's a lot of part of that like the first part being essentially take care of yourself the second part showing up yeah well I mean if you you know uh, someone I knew a long time ago I used to say you practice how you play practice right? how you play okay so for me there's you know there's my work yeah. and there's my family right right and I try to show up in the same way for both not that my kids want me to edit them yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they kind of don't want that no probably not time. no no I'm sure but it's about showing up and meeting them where they're at and right. what do I have to offer? How can I make positive effort for the good in this situation? Right. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so I if I'm that. doing that, if that's part of my practice with my clients and with my, you know, it all just, it supports the whole process. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, that's another thing that's interesting is that showing up the same way, no matter where you are. A lot of people, I don't know if they falsely think this or if they think that they have to be different at work than at home, or there's some tension between the two. Yeah. You, you see that a lot um, in, in startups and the technology folks that have their different people at work than they are at home that just must be a huge amount of tension I mean I used to be that way and it was just a huge amount of tension because you like you should show up who you are all the time it shouldn't really matter where you are yeah it shouldn't matter uh, it seems to sometimes it's like I, you know you probably experienced this where you show up as yourself and somebody who's in the environment thinks that's not acceptable yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm not saying like, you know, free to be you and me, you know, right. walking around barefoot at a cocktail party. But the attitude, the how you treat people, I think, is the one the one thing that I've seen. People treat coworkers differently than they would treat friends and family. Yeah, or or like also, since we're talking about, you know, self-care and that, like treating yourself differently yeah. depending on who you're dealing with. Yeah. And, I mean, it doesn't seem to work that well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a huge con. It's a conflict. Right. I mean, how, how are you going to, like, keep track of more than, like, one thing? You know, that's pretty hard to do. Yeah. At least I think so. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I have a hard time keeping track of, like, one thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I remember some that I was uh, doing this writing group. Um, with some other moms and there was a thing like oh we you know we should I forget what it was something about well we want to make sure we aren't none of us are serial killers or something you know like like bad people and I'm like who has the energy for that (laughs) (laughs) to maintain that you know that's yeah you gotta be a psychopath at a different level I mean, thankfully, you know, most women aren't serial killers, like, so you got that going for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's pretty much a group of moms won't be serial killers. Maybe. It would make an interesting story. It would it? actually make a great novel. Yeah. Imagine mom. It would be a bit dark and kooky, but that'd be a good premise for a novel. Who would her victims be, do you think? Um... Well, depending on how, how you want you want a sympathetic serial killer or you want a, like, oh my gosh, this is a dark level of thing. I think it would be better as a sympathetic serial killer. Yeah, probably. So, so I would say um, she, uh, she kills uh, philandering men. Of a certain type. Of a certain type. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure exactly what type, but... It's like they almost deserve it. Oh, he needed killing. Yeah. Is what you mean. Yeah. For, for various, they're, they're, you know. Sure. It, it's like, I, I think the reason why there's not a lot of stories about women mom, mom serial killers, just in general, is because... They don't get enough sleep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a true one. Well, getting, not getting enough sleep will make you, that should be another thing. Everyone should just get enough sleep every day because that'll make you crazy, but... I mean, it's almost like a sim. Yeah, I think you you almost want the reader to feel like yeah they deserve it. Kind of like uh, what's that one, um, Dexter? Oh yeah. So just imagine Dexter, but as a mom. Right. But a little bit more. I don't know. It, this might not be a great idea. No, I don't think so. I mean, I get I all these stupid ideas all the time. Well, so. no, you know, it's good, it's good to play with all of them because you never know when the right thing is going to... Yeah, I don't think we're going to create a new genre of mom serial killer. No, that's probably not a good idea. No. I you think... don't want to give ideas to sleep-deprived, <laughs> overworked people. Mom. Right? <laughs> 
Oh, no, there was that one um, Michael Myers movie, So I Married an Axe Murderer. I haven't seen but that she, one. But she, I don't think she was a mom. Okay. But that was like a dark comedy where the, his wife was an axe murderer or something, serial killer axe murderer. Okay. So, maybe. You know how I feel about American shows. Yeah, 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 not, yeah, yeah, not your favorite genre for sure. Yeah, that one, that one was the 80s or 90s, I think. Oh. I'll put a link to it. It's, it's, it's a silly, it was Mike Myers and someone else. It's just a really silly, silly, but funny, but dark, you know, like, it's a Mike Myers film about, yeah, anyway. So, <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, we're out, we're out here in Nashville trying to learn some more about nonfiction story greeting. Uh, always great to see you in person, and uh, really appreciate all the help you're doing me with the with the, with the memoir. Which, fingers crossed, we'll get over the finish line and people can read. So you just have to wait for that. But uh, Leslie, yeah, but you're gonna want to read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure, it's because it's going to be because Leslie edited it. <laughs> no, no, stop that. But I, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting thedailymba.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest that you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about in this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.